Gabriel is an angel that features prominently throughout the scriptures. And truth be told, there's not a whole lot of angels we know the names of in the Bible. Somehow the, the, uh, he, he gives, I think when he gives a name, hi, I'm Gabriel, pleased to meet you. <laughs> yeah, I stand in the presence of God and he sent me to give you a message. Uh, it, usually when the angels show up, the very, you know what the very first thing is that they say? Don't be afraid. Do not fear. Uh, I think it ca- catches people off guard. Well, catch me off guard if all of a sudden a shiny, bright person was standing next to me with a message from God. Um, most of the time, people just fall on their knees uh, out of fear or uh, honoring the presence of someone that obviously is not of this world or maybe is just holy. Maybe it's the glory of God shining around them. But the fact that the Gabriel standing in the presence of God is sent as a messenger is extremely special and very rare. This same Gabriel, as we heard earlier, came to several different people throughout the scriptures. Mary, mother of Jesus, being a notable one. We're also going to look at um, Joseph, the husband, later on, how he's directed to go to Egypt. Uh, We find out that he spoke to Daniel in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 7. And also, some people suspect that he might have been an angel that was sent to bring judgment upon Jerusalem later on, if you look in the, the book of Ezekiel. Judges, uh, uh, also I suspect, I, it's, not, it's not fact, but I suspect that when uh, the prophet Samson uh, was born, that the angel, I think it might have been Gabriel, went to his Samson's mother and said, you're going to have a baby, and uh, he's going to be great. He's going to lead my people as a judge. We all know the story of Samson. Well, I, I, I think that Gabriel had the maternity duty because uh, he is often telling people, you're going to have a baby. It's like, yay, you're going to have a baby. And each of these times, it was like, what? Like, how is this possible? Mary's going to say, I, I don't even have, I'm not... I don't have a husband. I'm not, you know, Elizabeth is going, I, I, I'm like way old. Like how can I, I can't even, I'm not even childbearing age. What, what are you talking about? And so uh, what we find out is when the angel comes to give a message of hope for people, that your prayers are answered, it's also an, a miraculous event. It's beyond imagination. It's beyond the normal thing because God wants to do something beyond what we expect. He's got a plan. Whenever God has in mind to do something, a child is born who will grow up to be the answer God would bring. God wanted to create a nation through whom he could reveal himself to the world. So Abraham was born and grew up to be the father of a nation. God heard the cries of enslaved people in Egypt. Eighty years before the Exodus, Moses was born. We have the story of Moses growing up as a, in the court of Pharaoh. And he's called at 80 years to be the redeemer of God's people. God had in mind to bring a one-of-a-kind judge to defend his people from the Philistines. So an angel went to Manoah and his wife, informing that they're going to have a son, Samson. It's interesting that God would want a king that could build a temple for him. So he gave King David a son named Solomon, who would perform this uh, amazing architectural design place where God could be worshipped in a temple. It's not surprising then that the angels came first to John's parents and then to Jesus' parents, letting them know of his intentions. 
Both births were seen as a miraculous event, and uh, both boys were going to play a very keen role in the story of God's redemption of mankind. And both um, Mary and Elizabeth, we know, were cousins. It's often God using families. We'll get to that a little bit later. So here in the first chapter of Luke's biography of Jesus, we're introduced to the angel Gabriel. I call him the messenger of God because he's always being sent with a message to God's people. Uh, he is, uh, his name has been translated the strength of God in some cultures. And the Bible describes angels in many different ways. There's uh, several forms of angels. If you look, want to do a study of angels, there's actually not a ton of material in the actual scriptures. Lots, if you want to do a, find out all you want, there's lots of stuff on the internet. Uh, the book of Enoch also carries a lot of information, but it's not in our 66 books of the Bible. So we don't see it as authoritative. It's more speculative than authoritative. So if you just look in the Bible itself, you look in Ezekiel, you look in Revelation, angels had different roles that they played. Some are warrior angels, like Michael, the archangel, who's in charge of God's armies. Gabriel is seen as a messenger angel who brings messages to people at a specific time. There's other angels that just say, holy, 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 all the time. They're, they're around the throne of God. Uh, if you look at the description, they very, look really kind of odd with lots of eyes and lots of wings. And it's like, whoo, crazy creatures. Truly, <laughs> it would be astounding when we finally get to heaven and see all that God has created. But he sends particular messengers, angels. Today we're looking at Gabriel. Um, and and there must be human form. I doubt that he had wings. Uh, they say, look, it's like the son of man, oftentimes. They weren't straight. They would be described as, you know, crazy, uh, angelic, winged creatures if that's what they were like. But nowhere in the scriptures does it describe them that way when they come as a messenger to people. Uh, they're just startling when they show up. It's interesting also that uh, in all the three world religions, the Jews, the Christians, and Muslims, Gabriel is mentioned in all of their sacred writings. Some also believe, and I like to think this too, not, not specifically stated, that Gabriel, because he's the messenger angel, may be given the task of blowing the trumpet when Jesus comes back at his second coming. Because an angel will appear and a trumpet will go, yeah, go Gabe. Uh, in Luke chapter 1, where we're looking today, Gabriel is being sent by God at a very tumultuous time in, in world history. Herod the Great was ruling. He ruled from some 40 uh, B.C. to 4 B.C., and his reign was just coming to a tragic end. Uh, if you know anything about Herod, uh, they call him Great, possibly because of his architectural uh, fervor. He built the uh, Masada uh, Fortress in Israel. I've climbed up those those hills into Masada is quite a, uh, quite a striking place in Israel. He also rebuilt the second temple uh, and uh, quite an amazing structure, but he also murdered a lot of people. He got rid of anyone that was um, going to usurp his power or thought could be a threat. He even murdered his own family members because he thought that they might want to take over. So it was a very dark time in the life of uh, people, the world. Uh, the Bible speaks of in the days of Herod. It refers to an ominous, mournful time in the history of the Jewish nation. He was an incredibly cruel person. In the narrative of the birth of Christ, we read that he had all of the babies in the Bethlehem area slaughtered that could have been born around the time when the star appeared. And uh, he was just ruthless. 
This is when the angel came to bring hope, when it was a very difficult time to live. So the angel's message to John's parents broke a 400-year silence. God had not given any messages, any prophecies. No man of God appeared to give a word from him for 400 years. How many generations do you think that is? I didn't even do the math, but it's a long time. So with this angelic message, the silence was broken. God came back into the world to bring information about what is going to happen. He inaugurated a new era where the Son of God would become flesh and dwell among his people for the next 33 years. So this John the Baptist story with his parents is a link between the revelation of God in the Old Testament period and the revelation of the New Testament period with the coming of Christ. He was holding hands with both. He was in the middle ground. And the sad thing about John's life is that when he, he said that uh, Christ must become greater and I must become less. And as Jesus became more prominent, John faded into the background and eventually lost his life. What we understand is that John and Jesus were born probably within six months of each other. And we can speculate possibly that they both died uh, in the same year as well. Herod uh, had John's head taken off and Jesus was crucified. We, it's a bit some speculation about the timeline when all of that happened. Since the 4th century, June 24 has been celebrated internationally as St. John's Day, honoring the birth of John the Baptist. And John's role would be as the forerunner to Jesus, a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. He was, he was saying, the king is coming. Get your houses cleaned out. Get your lives in order. The king is coming. The Messiah is coming. You got to get yourself in the right place. And he was baptizing people in the Jordan River for repentance of sins because the Messiah was coming, the one that had been promised and had been waiting for generation after generation. Zacharias was a priest in the order of Abijah. Um, that means he's in the, the lineage of Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth came from a priestly family descended from Aaron, the, very, the brother of Moses, the very first high priest. So when you put a priest marrying uh, the daughter of a priest, um, their son is going to be something very special. Two lines of the priesthood are coming together for John. It was also... Uh, uh, it was a thrill for them to be told that they're going to have a child because before they kind of had a double, uh, it's a double honor, but they had a double sorrow before that. Being childless into old age was one sorrow that they had, but knowing that the Messiah could never come through their family line was a double sorrow. Everybody wanted their family to be the one that God chose to bring the Messiah. Well, God chose them to bring the forerunner of the Messiah, John the Baptist. There were thousands of priests at this time and only 365 days in a year. So the duties of the priest, specifically in the, in the temple itself, the very special duties, uh, for example, uh, giving the ritual uh, incense, burning the incense at the altar. If you were a priest during this day, you could expect only to have one day in your lifetime to perform these duties. One day would be your day. So when the scriptures tell us that on this day, uh, the, the line of Abijah was chosen to offer the incense in the temple, it was their turn. And then from all of the priests in the line of Abijah, Zechariah was chosen 
to be the one to offer the incense, to go into the holiest places of the temple and take the incense and burn it on the altar as God had required. This was the day, his one day in a lifetime, that he could go into the temple and, and, and the prayers of the people uh, went up in the smoke of the, the incense. And this was the moment where the angel appeared to him. I, I would be afraid too, honestly. I would tremble a bit. I wouldn't be able to speak, likely. You see an, an angelic creature standing before you going, this, <laughs> what comes out of his mouth next is going to change the world. At least my life will never be the same. So once the signal was given, Zacharias immediately offered the incense on the altar. And when the people outside saw the smoke rising to heaven, they say this is what happened. When the smoke rose towards heaven, that all of the people bowed down and were silent. And they were praying to God at this moment. This is the most holy moment uh, in Zacharias' life is when he met God. The angel shows up and gives him a message and immediately says, fear not. He assures Zacharias that his prayers have been heard, and he informs him that he would have a son and instructs him to call his name John. What I was thinking is that Zacharias and Elizabeth probably had a right, could have been very bitter against God. Why haven't you answered our prayers? We're old now. It's too late for us. We can't have any children. God, you know, we... We counted on you to come through for us, and it didn't happen. They could have been angry. They could have lost their devotion to God. They could have lost hope or any sense that God cared about them at all. But they didn't. They were considered righteous people. They didn't let unanswered prayer get them down. They still wanted to serve God and be devoted. They trusted that God knew best and that God is good all the time. So I'd like to read uh, the account that we're studying today and then make some comments about that. So Luke chapter 1, if you want to follow along in your Bible, verse 5 to 20, we'll take the the core of this, this event together. The angel says to Zacharias, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayers are heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine or strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah." to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah says to the angel, How shall I know this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold... You will be mute and not able to speak until the day of these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. You can continue to read the the rest of the the account and you'll find out that when John was born, Zacharias could speak. They were going to name the child Zacharias after his father, but he says, no, no, his name is John. And then he told them, he could tell them for the first time the encounter that he had with the angel. So here's the key points of the angel's message. 
He comes to Zacharias and he says, hey, I'm going to have a baby boy. Check. Um, going to name, his, name him John. Check. He's going to have gladness and joy. Double check. He's going to be a teetotaler. Mm-hmm. Okay. Likely after the Nazarite vow of abstinence. He's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. He's going to be filled from the Spirit right from birth. Triple check. And he will bring people to repentance. And in the spirit and power of Elijah. Uh, This was the dream of every Jewish family. That their family would be chosen to be used in a special way by God. And not just any way, but he's going to have the spirit and power of Elijah. One of the most powerful prophets of the entire scriptures in the Old Testament. Moses was the, the guy that represented the law. Elijah was the guy that represented all the prophets. Those two were together with Mount Jesus on Mount uh, Transfiguration. So this guy that's coming, this baby that's aboard, is going to be like in his likeness, and he's going to have the same kind of power and influence that the prophet Elijah did. Could not have been a greater message for Zacharias and Elizabeth. This would not be a normal child. He's, he's going to have a, a powerhouse of God's activity. He's going to be a person of an incredible influence over others that will act and sound like one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. And his flame would burn brightly, but sadly they would find out that his flame wouldn't last very long, only for a short time. The truth is that Jesus and John both foretold their birth by angels, uh, would, would shine brightly for a short time, 33 years, and they would lose their life. But they would accomplish amazing things. We don't know the days of our life that God has for us, but we do know we can live a life of influence and power if God chooses to use us in his way. So behold, behold, Zacharias, look, your prayers have been answered. You were not forgotten. You were not overlooked. God has seen your devotion and your faithfulness, and God has answered you. Behold, you priests and your religious leaders. Look, see everything you hoped for for 400 years is coming. The very thing prophets have hoped for but never got to see is happening in your day. The promised one is imminently here. Are you ready? Are you prepared for the Messiah to come? Behold, Elizabeth, look, see, shock of all shocks, you are going to have a baby. God has seen your frustration and your sorrow, your disappointment. He knows your questions, but you're going to have an incredibly special son. In fact, the Messiah himself will say that no man born of a woman is greater than than your son. He will introduce the Messiah to a waiting world. He will have the privilege of actually baptizing the Son of God. However, sadly, it will be a mixed blessing, and you will rejoice in his birth, but your heart will be pierced by his early death. Behold, world, look to see the close of an era has started, and a new one is being inaugurated, one that will last forever under an eternal king. What the angel is saying in this message is that the old is now old, and the new has come. It's a new era. It's a new day. God is doing a new thing. Darkness will be replaced with light, and hopelessness will be replaced with joy, and silence will give way to singing, and each one received a special message by this angel. 
that changed their lives forever. So what do we take from this message today? What is the point of us looking at this message? And often you, you look and say, well, that was fine for uh, Zacharias. That's fine for Elizabeth. But what about me? Well, the principles of the Scriptures apply to all. And what do we see in this passage? First of all, we hear that God hears our prayers. There is a point to praying. There is a point to talking with God. It's a point of bowing our heads to the one we know is in control, that loves us, that cares for us, and wants to lead and guide us. He's not deaf. He's not uninvolved, and he's not uncaring. God hears. The first thing that the angel said was, God has heard your prayers. Sometimes we need that reassurance. The second thing is that God answers our prayers. It's in his time. It's in his way. It's according to his plan. But God does answer prayers. What's the point of serving a God that is uninvolved or uncaring in our life? There, there isn't any. It might as well just be a carved idol sitting on a, on, a, on a ledge in your house that you hope something good happens. But that's not who we serve. That's why we don't have idols. That's why we don't have these icons. We have God that we can talk to each day, bring with us. He's not stuck on a shelf at home. He is inside of us, living. We are the temple now. God hears our prayers. He answers our prayers, and he's involved, he involves us in his activity. I like the fact that the angel is coming to people saying, I got a job for you. God has picked you for a special task. I'm going to do something in your life that you never would have guessed. You never would have dreamed in a million years. But you have a special role to play in God's kingdom. First of all, to change the world. What an amazing privilege for John to be chosen to, the, to be the one to introduce the Messiah to the world. The Jewish people had long wanted a Messiah to come and lead them as their king. Overthrow the Romans. Restore the kingdom of God in their midst. And now he's here. He also wants us to be involved in his activity to change people's lives. So the goal of, of God and his activity and his plans are to redeem lost souls. He wants to give hope. He wants to bring peace. It's all meant to draw people to himself. Well, everything that God does is about people. He wants to save lives and souls for, for eternity. He wants what we, we do as his representatives to, to touch lives of people all the time, to bring them into his circle. Zacharias had no clue that God's answer to their prayer for a child would lead to a whole nation paying attention and a whole world being changed. Imagine if that was your son, your daughter, someone that God picked to impact the world. He involves us in his activity to change our future. When God intersects our life, when he comes into our presence, when he gives us instruction, nothing is the same again. We, we, we change course, life direction, according to his plans for us. We, it's not life as normal. It's not just continue, oh, that was nice, thanks, God. <laughs> we'll check with you again another day. No, everything becomes different. He stepped into our world. He, he communicated with us. He invited us to be a part of his activity. And you don't know what's going to happen next because only he does. Zechariah was never able to offer incense in the temple again in his lifetime. But he lived the rest of his life knowing that God heard him and God answered him. And that was enough. So what prayers are you praying? What is it that you need to God to hear you and to act upon in your life? 
You know he hears you. Sometimes we wonder, is he going to do anything? (laughs) Is anything going to change? Will we trust that God in his time will work things out in his way? In my life, it's usually been at the last minute, but just in time. God doesn't seem to be early, come a month ahead of time. Oh, don't worry about it. Don't stress. No, it's usually it's like, God, where are you? Like, there's, the time is running out. Like, God, I don't know if I can last much longer. And just right at the right moment, he shows up. Things change. And I go, thanks, God. Are there any prayers that you have stopped praying because you think if God hasn't done anything up to now, he's probably not going to? If you quit praying for someone that needs the Lord, but they're just too stubborn, they're just too hard, they're just too difficult, even for God. So you quit praying. You might want to reconsider. Over and over and over, God comes at the right time in the right way, breaks into our world, and lives are changed. Zacharias and Elizabeth had every right to think that God had failed them. God had forgotten them. That they just have to live with with how they are, and it's okay. God's still good. And then God showed up and changed everything. Are you willing to accept that when God answers your prayers, that others might also be impacted, changed, maybe forever? Sometimes in, the, in situations, what we're going to learn in these next four weeks is that God's answers for us impacts everybody else. Then lots of people in our circle are going to be impacted by what God answers in our life. So be ready for the repercussions of God's answers in your life. I want to end with this question. Do you see what I see? Do you see that God has more than we can uh, ask or imagine. He's got a plan. He's got a reason for doing what he's doing. And I wonder if God has a special message for you this season. If you would be willing to bow down before him and ask him, God, what's on your heart for my life? God, what do you have in mind for my family? God, what role do I play in your kingdom this season? What difference can I make in the lives of those around me Because you're in me. Probably your message from God won't come to you special delivery from Gabriel. But I do believe God is speaking to us. God wants us to hear what he has to say. But we need to be seeking him on our knees first of all. He invites us to participate in what he has in mind to do. You never know when God is ready to change the direction of your life. I can tell you story after story after story of people mid-career as an engineer or a doctor or a teacher, and God came to them, changed their life, changed their heart, and they're serving God in a totally new direction now because they've seen for the first time what really God had prepared them for, and God is wanting to include them in, in different ways they never imagined. You never know when God might want to change your life. When the time is right, God's activity is a wonder to behold. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this day, for a reminder of your presence, your willingness to listen, to hear, to act, and to involve us in what it is you have in mind to do. Father, we are not alone. We know that. And our lives are not independent. We are dependent and interdependent on so many other things and people around us. Even for the service we had last night, the blue Christmas time, where we came together to honor you, to be reminded that there is hope, That even in the midst of sorrow, you were there. 
that you walked with us through it all. Thank you for that special moment uh, where people could come together who are hurting, uh, who have loss, and who grieve. But we don't grieve like those who have no hope because we have the Messiah in us. We have your plans working around us and through us. We have hope and peace and grace. Father, as we go, may we behold your glory. May we behold your message to us. Prepare us for what it is you have to say to us. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.